Hi, everybody, and you're very welcome to the Paving the Way Home podcast once again. We're delighted to be delving into a brand new series on the introduction to prayer by Father Shane Sullivan, an American priest based in the Archdiocese of Tume. You may remember Father Shane from a previous episode on the sermon. This series is going to be slightly different to what we're used to. Father Shane has already prepared this series for a, a Zoom prayer meeting that he runs up in, up in Tume. And he's been so kind to offer it to Paving the Way Home. Now, we've had it in our possession for the last month or so, and I've been looking over it, and it has been absolutely golden. It is fantastic, and you're really in for a treat. During each of the episodes, Father Shane at times refers to questions that some of the prayer group members are typing into him or sending him over the computer, and also the handouts that, that he has sent out to them. So when he refers to them, you'll know what he's talking about. Um, but it's okay, you don't need them because just listening to what he's saying is absolutely fantastic it's it, you you really are going to love it i just i just couldn't put it down after we're finished this four part uh this series this four with the four episodes on introduction to prayer we're going to be going into two other series with father shane and they're on two other slightly different topics that we have in our possession but we won't give it away any details at the moment because uh, we'll give further details close to the time but again you're in for a real real, real treat i hope you enjoy okay so we'll start with a prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, welcome, everybody. Great to see all of you. What we, we kind of had in mind, uh, talking with each other a couple weeks ago, was maybe like a four-week session on an introduction to Catholic prayer. So that's what I've kind of prepared so as you can imagine, there's, there's so much wisdom from the scriptures, wisdom from the church, wisdom from the saints, uh, that I couldn't possibly cover even a fraction of it in four weeks. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to limit myself to what I know fairly well. And my goal is this. My goal is to give you some good practical wisdom to put into practice in your own life of prayer, basically. And what I'm giving you is not from me. It's not kind of personal. It's not my own kind of thoughts. But uh, this is the wisdom really of the church, the wisdom of scripture, and the wisdom of some of the greatest saints that we have as Catholics. So um, I'm really happy to present this stuff to you guys. Uh, and yeah, kind of uh, confident to present it to you as well. Because again, it's not just my own kind of ramblings. Uh, as you see me kind of move forward, I'm just letting more and more people into the chat or into the, the meeting here. <coughs> okay. So I encourage you to look at these four sessions, like you're starting a workout plan. Okay. It's new year's. Some people have good resolutions, good ambitions to, you know, get healthier, maybe drop a couple pounds or whatever. I encourage you to look at this, these sessions of prayer, like you're starting a workout routine. So the first thing is Acknowledging that you guys, there are 42 people who are listening now, and then there's going to be dozens more people who are going to be uh, watching this video later on. And I just want to acknowledge that all of you guys are in different places. 
Some of you are very committed, have been living a committed life of prayer for years, and others are newbies just starting out. There's going to be something I, I'm pretty confident that there's going to be something in here uh, which is going to challenge all of you. So the first group that I want to address are the newbies, those people who are, um, those people who are just starting out. I want to say this to you. Don't get overwhelmed by all the stuff that I'm going to throw at you, okay? Uh, there is no way that you are going to be able to do everything that I suggest. So don't worry about it, okay? Uh, not even the holiest saint, even the most, like, the person closest to God could do everything that I'm going to present here, all right? So what I am going to do is I'm going to give you some practical advice about which are the most important things to start with. And then there's going to be stuff that you mightn't use for years from, for years from now, or maybe even ever, right? Uh, next, veterans. Some of you have been praying and have been living a committed life of prayer for a long time. Some of you are more experienced in prayer than I am, right? Uh, so I'm not a guru. I'm not like a spiritual master. Uh, but what I am going to give you, I'm quite confident in, because again, it's the church's wisdom. And it's the wisdom of the greatest saints that we have. So I guarantee you that there's going to be things that you'll find at least to be like helpful reminders. And more than that, I'd be really confident in saying that there's going to be stuff that you are going to find new and challenging as well. Stuff that's going to really help you uh, to take your prayer to the next level. That's kind of my, my hope. Wherever you're starting, wherever you're at right now, okay, whether you're, you're kind of just trying to get back into prayer, you're just starting prayer, or you're a veteran, uh, we all have the same goal, right? Now, we all have lots of different life goals, things that you're working for. Maybe you're, you want to find like a good job, your career. You want to find a spouse if you haven't found your spouse already or your vocation. Uh, maybe you're raising your kids and you want to raise them well. Maybe you're saving money or educating yourself. There's lots of different goals that we have. But the goal of the spiritual life, which all of those smaller goals feed into, the goal of the spiritual life is the same for everyone. And that is three things, okay? So if you're taking notes, this is what a good thing, three things to take down. The, goals of the, the goal of the spiritual life is our purification our transformation, and our union with God. Our purification, our transformation, and our union with God. So those three goals, our purification, transformation, and union with God, are three different processes that happen within your soul. Now, God is ultimately responsible for those things happening, for you being purified, for you being transformed, for you growing, maybe in other words, and then for you growing in union with God. God is the one who does that. He does the heavy lifting, but you have a part to play. It doesn't happen without your cooperation. And one of the most important ways that you cooperate is by living a committed life of personal prayer. Now, St. Francis de Sales, who's one of the great masters of the spiritual life, he wrote a great book, uh, which I'd highly recommend to people, um, called Introduction to the Devout Life. It's an excellent book. St. Francis de Sales says that the other great aid in that we do cooperating with God in this process of purification, transform transformation, and growing, growth in union with God, the other way is by uh, 
receiving the sacraments and receiving them well. So maybe in the future, if you find this helpful, um, maybe we could do a couple of classes on that. Um, we're all feeling not being able to receive the sacraments right now. You're experiencing them. You're experiencing that not being able to receive the grace of the sacraments. And it's killing me and it's killing many priests that we can't uh, make that happen for you as well. So those are the two, the two things that St. Francis de Sales said. Uh, a serious commitment to personal prayer and to receive the sacraments, but to receive them well, right? These are two ways that we, the parts that we play, uh, cooperating with God's grace, his work purifying us, that purification, that transformation, and that growth in union with himself. So there's the second thing I want to tell you about these, this, these processes is that there's an order to them, right? First, purification, then transformation, and third, and finally, union with God. But even, those, even though there's an order to them, they're happening at the same time within everyone who's living a committed life of grace. It's not as though one process stops and then another process begins like that. So it's not like uh, God stops purifying you on a Tuesday evening and then on Wednesday morning, he picks up the work of like, you know, transforming you, right? All of those things are happening kind of simultaneously. The way that you can maybe understand it is that one of them is most prominent at any given point in your life. So, and the first most prominent thing is a purification. And we're going to talk about what specifically that is in a minute. But in the background is still happening this growth, uh, this growth to be more and more like Jesus. And then also happening in the background is a growing union with God, growing in communion to be united with him. And then what happens is as that purification uh, begins to really take hold, then the transformation sort of takes center stage, so to speak. And the others happen more in the background. They're less prominent, but again, they're always present, all of them. So I want to briefly explain these three processes, right? Because there is a particular type of prayer that's associated with each of them, with each of these stages, you could say, the stages that you're in, in the spiritual life. So the first is purification. All right. Think with me again. Remember back with me to the Garden of Eden. The fall that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden was a much bigger deal than most people realize. It was bigger and more significant than we could possibly, possibly even comprehend. There are two things that I want to say about it. <clears throat> the first thing is, it was a much uglier rejection of God than we often think. And the second thing that I want to say is it, it did way more damage to human nature, to your nature and to mine, than we generally think. So let's, again, kind of go back and refresh our memory. Adam and Eve were seduced by the serpent with a lie. Do you remember the lie? The lie was this, that by disobeying God, that they would not die like God told them they would, but actually they would come, they would become like God. They would come to be like him. And that Adam and Eve would in fact be better off without him. 
and Adam and Eve bought the lie that was sold to them. Their action, Adam and Eve's choice, was a, uh, they made a judgment. They judged this. They judged that being created by God in pure love, out of pure love, God didn't need to create them. God created them out of pure love and enjoying union with God like they did and union with one another and with all creation. That all of that was nice, but essentially worthless because they were not God, but creatures. And that what they should really want was not to live the life that they were created to live, but what they should really do was to rise up and take God's place. That was the revolutionary lie of Eden. Humanity rejected their creator, believing that they could and should themselves be the masters. This is a much more significant um, offense against God than we often kind of think. You know, sometimes we think about sin as though it's like, uh, you know, oh, you're very bold. Aren't you, aren't you bold? Ah, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, you're awful bold. Well, in actual fact, I mean, this was a far more substantial rejection, spitting in the face of the creator who created his, his, this, these people out of love and a rejection of him than it was any sort of like small slight. And what were the consequences? Okay. The second thing is that this way did way more damage to human nature than we generally think. <clears throat> the consequences were everything fell apart. So first of all, man's relationship with God. In the beginning, there was uh, a beautiful harmony, union. There's a beautiful image that Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the evening, the cool of the day, in the garden with God. They were with him. Now, what's people's perception of God? They fear God. They often resent God and God's demands, like the commandments. And they don't trust him. So fractured now is man's perspective, his perception of God. And also like that relationship is just broken. It's like a chasm. There's a chasm between God and his creatures, between us and God. The other thing that happened was human beings' relationships with each other fell apart. So Adam and Eve were, as the, the, the expression goes in, in the scriptures in Genesis, were naked together without shame. There was a total trust. They were united. There was no, um, there was no fear or uh, there was nothing that one was trying to get from the other one. After the fall, that falls apart. We fear each other. One of the first things that happened where Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. They realized that the person that they thought they could trust, they in fact couldn't trust. They had betrayed God. What's to say they couldn't betray them? And they began to fear one another, to resent each other. And they didn't trust one another. 
You see it all the time within human relationships. We want to get, we can look, and if we look in the mirror, we can see it. We want to get what we, we want to get our own way. We want what we want. Then we want to get out of each other something. And often there's a, uh, an instinct to dominate each other, to control. And then lastly, within ourselves. So that's our relationship with God, fractured. Our relationship amongst ourselves, fractured. And our relationship internally, who we are ourselves, interiorly. Our minds have dimmed. We don't see things as clearly, the truth. We bought into a lie, and now the truth really is something that often evades us. We've become ignorant of who made us and what we were made for. How true is that of the people that we interact with all the time? And we turned towards other people and other things, and we began to worship them. In other words, we began to place them as most important, centrally and, um, yeah, as most important. We've also become weak-willed. How many of us know that story all too well? Oh, gosh. Do you know? The Frere Rochers or the... You know, the, the Cadbury's, you know, the roses, they're just, they're right there calling your name and we can't say no. And we've become attached to many different things as well. Our possessions, the things that we have or the things that we love doing, we often can't say no to them. We thought we could be masters, but we've become slaves especially to our base drives and impulses and appetites. And lastly, last thing, by rejecting the very source of life, who is God, our rejection of him, humanity's rejection of him, has meant death. So there's a lot to forgive, right? Which God has done by his death on the cross, but there's a lot of healing and purification that still has to take place, that still has to happen in every single person. Now, prayer and spiritual exercises that happen, that we kind of put into place at the beginning stages of the spiritual life help us in this. So this first stage is purification. And there's certain prayer and spiritual exercises that we put into place that help us. And this purification means a couple different things. It means that we leave the life, first of all, of mortal sin behind. That's one of the first kind of battles within this stage, this process in the spiritual life, in purification, is we, is we convert, we turn away from our sin, the things that, the rebellion, the rejection of God, the, the way that we think we know best, we turn away from that stuff and we uproot it from our lives and we turn back to God. We also strengthen our will. We kind of grow in our willpower, our ability to recognize the good and to do it, even if it's hard, even if there's resistance, even if we are, you know, inclined a different way. No, our wills are strengthened during this process. And 
We grow in conviction in our minds, our intellects. We grow in conviction about the truth about who God is. Remember, we were saying that often people think about God and they resent him or they don't trust him or they fear him, right? During this process, we grow in truth. We grow in truth, uh, the truth about who God is and who we are. And specifically, our own kind of lowly condition, our need for God, our humble state. And we reject the lives by which we had, the lies by which we had lived. Now, the kind of prayer that is associated with this first stage, this first uh, process of purification is vocal prayer. Okay, so if you're writing things on the down, again, here's another thing to write down. Purification. The, state, the type of prayer most associated with this kind, this stage in your spiritual life, with this process, is vocal prayer. And there's other spiritual exercises. Now, that is what we're going to be looking at next week. Okay? So we're going to be looking at vocal prayer and other spiritual exercises at the very beginning of your spiritual life. The second thing, the second process is transformation, Right? So purification then happens, then what's, then we're, then the next process is transformation. So as that process of purification begins to take hold and it makes progress in our lives and the grip of sin is loosened and all of those things happen, our intellects again are kind of sharpened. We recognize the truth and we grow in the truth and our conviction, our wills are strengthened and we leave mortal sin behind. Uh, what happens is transformation becomes now the most prominent action of God within your soul. Now this transformation, you can simply understand it like this. It is growing to become more like Jesus, growing to become more like Jesus, growing in imitation of him. So if the first process is negative purification, it's like uprooting stuff and addressing the problems this is like the positive, I am now going to follow Christ and he is going to be my model. He is going to be the way, the standard by which I live. I want to be like him specifically. I want to be like him in his virtues. I want to be like him in his priorities. I want to be like him in his perspective, in the way that he looks at other people and sees the world, right? I want to be like him in his sentiments, in the things that kind of move him interiorly. This is the great prog project of that second stage, transformation, right? Now, the, the proper name, I'm going to give you the proper name for it in uh, the Catholic spiritual tradition, the, the writings of the saints and the church, this stage of the spiritual life is called the illuminative way, illuminative as in illumination, as in light, right? Why? Because by following Christ, we are following the way of light. Okay? Now, that the prayer that's associated with this stage in the spiritual life is Christian meditation. Okay? And we're going to look at that Christian meditation in the third week. So, two weeks from tonight. Okay? The last, <coughs> excuse me, the last... Uh, stage in the spiritual life, the last pro process, if you will, is union with God, growing in union with God. 
So as the soul is freed from sin, right, in, in this purification, and then it as it becomes more and more like Christ and it possesses the virtues of Christ and his attributes and everything that he has, the next process of union with God takes place. Now, the great aim of this stage of the spiritual life is growing in habitual and intimate union with God. Now, this is described in many different ways. It only comes into its fullness in heaven, but we come to see God as he is. The beatific vision is described as, as heaven or the, the great wedding feast of the lamb, the marriage feast of the lamb, where God comes and begins this union with his people, this great union. But it doesn't just happen in heaven when we die. It happens now as well. Even now, by virtue of our baptism, we share in the very union of God, in the, excuse me, in the very nature of God. One of the great reasons why Jesus came and became incarnate, in other words, he took on our nature, was so that you and I, could take on, could receive a share in his own nature, the divine nature. We are united with God because of what Jesus has done. We're kind of drawn into the very life of God, the Holy Trinity. This happens first. We're sort of inserted into this in our baptism, but we grow in this throughout our life, or we should. This only happens again when we kind of cooperate with God's grace, right? But it happens in a special way at this last stage of our um, spiritual life. Union with, union with God. Now, the prayer that's associated with this last stage of the spiritual life is called contemplation. And there are different types of contemplation, and we're going to look at those in our last week's class in week four. Okay? So now, I have some questions that I think that some of you might be wondering, or at least that I was kind of wondering when I was uh, preparing for this. But if there are any questions that you have, could you please type them in the little chat thing there? And... If I can, I'll, I'll answer them. I'll, I'll try my best. And if I can't answer them, then I'll find out the answer and I'll come back to you. Okay. So if there's anything that you're kind of wondering right now, uh, go ahead and type it out. <clears throat> One of the things that I was wondering anyway, while I'm waiting for anyone who has a question. One of the things that I was wondering was, I could imagine people thinking is, well, where did this come from? This like threefold way of looking at like your, your uh, growth, the growth of your soul. Uh, or another way to describe it is like you growing in maturity spiritually, right? Where did this come from? Purification, uh, transformation, or the illuminative way. And then last, the unitive way or growth in union with God. Where did this come from? Well, short answer is St. Thomas Aquinas, right? 
But the longer answer is that the roots go back much further than just the 13th century when St. Thomas was living and writing. <clears throat> the roots of this go back to scripture itself. Within the Old Testament, ha uh, the saints have been able to sort of see this threefold process happening or this threefold process being presented specifically within the Psalms. And then there's multiple places within the New Testament as well, where you can see this purification, growth or transformation, and then union with God, where you can kind of see these, these three things, one happening right after the other. And then it was developed slowly over the first century, really, of the church's existence by saints like St. Uh, Clement of Alexandria, St. Uh, John Cassian, who is a desert monk, uh, St. <clears throat> Augustine, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and then finally, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. And it's become like the, one of the great, like, uh, insights of Catholic spiritual theology, basically. So these three ways, these three stages. And again, I'm gonna give you their proper names now. It's the purgative way, which is the purification that I was describing. The illuminative way, which is that transformation, that growth to become more like Christ. And the third is the unitive way, which is that growth in union with God. Okay. Now I have one other thing. I still don't see any questions, which is fine. So the other question that I was thinking <clears throat> that you might be asking would be this. If you're at... If you're on a trail somewhere, or if you're at a mall, I realize this is a very American thing to say, but, and if you go to like a map, you know, like one of those big maps that they have sometimes like on, like a, on like a wall somewhere or whatever, and it gives you kind of the lay of the land. What's the first thing that you look for on that map? You look for that red arrow that says, here you are, <laughs> right? That's the first thing that you're looking for when you are looking at this map, like, where am I? Okay, fine, here's the whole map. Where am I on this map, okay? So you might be wondering to yourself, well, okay, if this threefold process is happening, well, where am I? Where's the big red arrow saying, here's where you are, right? So here's the thing. <clears throat> it's very difficult to determine precisely, in fact, it's impossible to determine precisely where you are, but don't worry, right? There's, I'm not gonna leave it at that, okay? Um, but it is difficult to put your finger exactly on, ah, I have just moved into the illuminative way, right? This transformation or I'm wherever, right? Uh, the reason why it's so hard to be very specific is because first of all, we are the worst judges of our own spiritual progress, right? Sometimes we think that we are the holiest thing since, I don't know, whoever. And then other times we think that we are like, I don't know, something that you picked up on the bottom of your shoe, right? So we're like the worst people to judge our own case, all right? I see that there's a, a, a question there and I'm gonna come to your question now in a second. So because of that, it's difficult for us to say, ah, I see clearly where I am and here, here it is, right? The second thing is that the second reason why it's so difficult is because every person's soul is very particular um, and develops at its own pace. And it depends a lot on your temperament, 
It depends on your generosity with God. And it depends also on God. Like God is the one who kind of is principally responsible for our sanctification. In other words, of becoming holy, our progress, right? So like differently in different people's souls. But what we can recognize are these general patterns, right? And that's what we're kind of looking at. And those general patterns are helpful. That's why it's good for us to sort of dig into the, this topic. But the last reason why it's difficult to pinpoint exactly where you are is because there are different elements of each of these processes. So for instance, your a person's moral life, their growth in virtue, let's say, um, they might be at the very beginning stages, they're still undergoing a lot of purification. But in prayer, there are some people who are in that early stages, still rooting out sin, etc., but who are engaging in the prayer that is called contemplation. Sometimes it happens, right? Uh, other times people are, let's say, well into the unitive way. They're close with God. They're really, they're, they're, they're tremendously united with God morally, virtuously. But their prayer is much more, I don't know, like it was at the very earliest stages. That's just the way that, the, that God works within them. Okay. Again, there's a certain flexibility to this. There's nothing hard and fast. There's nothing very rigid, right? These are things that scripture has shown us, things that the church has discerned and the saints have recognized that are general rules that are helpful for us, okay? So now here's a question. Would you say contemplative, what would you say contemplative prayer looks like? Or do you have any quotes from the saints on this? That's an excellent question. And I'm going to put a cork in that, Connor, because I'm going to be focusing exclusively on contemplative prayer three weeks from tonight. I'm going to be looking at the unitive way. I'm going to be looking at contemplative prayer at the two different kinds of contemplative prayer that there are, or two of the ways that, that are frequently used to distinguish contemplative prayer. Okay. Um, and uh, I am going to be drawing from the saints on that. So if I can ask you to uh, hang on to that, Love your enthusiasm. We're going to be dealing with that in a couple weeks' time. Okay, any other questions before we, uh, before we finish it up? <coughs> Sound. Thanks, Connor. Okay. Um, if anyone does have any... Oh, is holiness connected with purification or purity? Yes, very much. Uh, so one of the elements, that's a question from Peter, is holiness connected with purification or purity? Very much. We're going to be looking at that next week in a special way. But just to say as a, as a, as a rule, absolutely. Um, holiness is our growth to become more and more like God. And purif the purification that has to happen, as I've described there, is uh, a rooting out of sin, turning away from sin and that rejection of God that it entails. Uh, and learning how to uh, learning how to trust him, learning the truths, let's say, and not just learning the truths like in your head, but growing in conviction about who God is and being like strong in that truth and who I am and being strong in that truth. Um, 
that's part of that process of purification. Oh, any homework for us to do? Uh, I love, I love it. Don't blame the student who asked for homework, but I actually do have homework for you to do. Those of you who want to, it's not necessary, but, um, but I'll come to it now. But Peter, just to say, we're going to talk more about that next week, but yes, your own moral life is closely tied into, um, that purification that we're talking about. Okay. Here's the homework. If you want to uh, get more, get some more of like a general overview of prayer. And here's a bonus kind of thing. If you want to get some helpful tips um, combating that the, the most frequent problems people have in prayer, specifically dryness in prayer and distraction in prayer, here's a good thing to read from the catechism of the Catholic church. All right. There's a section called the battle of prayer. It's excellent. Great, great section. The battle of prayer. Anybody who's been praying for any length of time knows that prayer is often a battle. Here's the paragraph numbers. There are different pages depending on which uh, catechism you have. So you go by paragraph numbers. The paragraph numbers are 2725, 2725. That's the first paragraph. And the last paragraph of that section is 2745. So it's just 20 little paragraphs. 2725 to 2745 in your catechism. Okay. Um, it's an excellent, excellent uh, resource for those of you who want to go away and do a little bit of extra uh, reading on it. Um, as vocal prayer or is vocal prayer at the beginning of the spiritual growth or as, excuse me, I beg your pardon, as vocal prayer is at the beginning of the spiritual growth, does this mean it is of less, less value than contemplative prayer? Excellent question. No, it doesn't. Vocal prayer is the foundation. It's the bread and butter. The saints, some of the holiest people that we've had, the greatest mystics, St. Therese of Lisieux, for instance, just call, coming to mind immediately, uh, utilized vocal prayer even well into, in, into her, the maturity, let's say, of her union with God. Vocal prayer is never something that we look back at and say, huh, there we go, past that, been there, done that, done. Never, absolutely not. Uh, we'll talk about it more next week, but like, I mean, how many of the great saints that we had prayed the rosary, for instance? You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't think of any saints that didn't have a devotion to the rosary since it's developed in the history of the church, right? Um, okay, a question here is the... Um, is reading slash learning about God a form of prayer? It can be, uh, James, but even if it isn't a specific, maybe you call it like a particular form of prayer, the right kind of reading and learning about God is what you would call a spiritual exercise, right? So, um, and that's part and parcel of what we will be discussing. But spiritual reading is like a, it's a very important part of anyone, anyone's life who's really trying to grow in their faith, right? And if it's not reading, then at least it's, uh, you know, watching videos or listening to podcasts or something, but not just for entertainment, but like you're, you're, uh, you're filling your mind with the truth, again, about who God is, who we are, uh, et cetera. Is the catechism available online, Catherine? Yes, catechism is available online. 
Uh, if you Google Catechism of the Catholic Church, you can find it. The Vatican's website has the Catechism in full. Uh, and then there are a couple of other sites as well um, that, that do it. I, I regularly go online. If I'm not sure, like, oh, where do I find this? I can, you can look it up. <coughs> www.vatican.va is the website, but you can Google it again. Catechism of the Catholic Church. Is reading the Bible prayer time? Yes. Imelda, it is, certainly. Um, and we're going to be looking at that in the third week. One of the ways to read the Bible, that is meditation. Meditation. Can you tell us the paragraphs again to focus on from the catechism? Yes, I can. The numbers are, once again, 2725 to 2745. That's 2725 to 2745. Four, five, and I'm just going to type them out here as well. There you go. So you can write that down. <coughs> Anybody else? Any other questions? Thank you guys. I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to digging into the stuff, uh, myself. Um, I find this really, the stuff really challenging. Again, it's just this, it's the great gift of the church to us and all these saints. And I find it really challenging and it nourishes me in my relationship with God as well and challenges me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. What we might do as we finish up, uh, what we might do, thanks very much. What we might do as we finish up is finish with a prayer and then I'll give all of you a blessing, okay? So let's just finish with a prayer together. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee do we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy clemency graciously hear and answer us. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless and keep you all now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys, and uh, we will see you next week, please, God.